This is Kate Beckinsale. You're listening to Beckinsale. I hear podcasters in your dreams while you're awake. Yes. Podcasters like on iTunes or Spotify walking around like regular people. They don't see each other. They only see what they want to see. They don't know their cliche. How often do you hear them? All the time. They're everywhere. <laughs> Podcasters are everywhere. <laughs> we never know. Welcome to Make It Sell. I'm Joel. I'm Kent. And I'm Emily. Emily! Oh my god, I'd like to build me. up there. Yeah. We all waited. We all waited for Zach, but then Zach wasn't there. Hey, Emily, uh, how's it going? Good. Welcome <laughs> back to the show. Yes, Hello. it's been a while. It has. Uh, yes, we do. We miss Zach. He's not here for this episode. Uh, he's on his way back to Utah and uh, wasn't yeah. able to make the recording. We record late, but he's missing us by a couple hours. So <laughs> we like, had to draw the line somewhere. Hey, we know you'll be tired, but just record. It's fine. No, no, no. We, we miss you, Zach. We uh, look forward to having you back on the next episode. But Emily, we're glad you're here to join with us today. Thank yes. you. I made the long journey all the way back from the Krampus snow globe. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah, you're uh, still I'm a in mother. there? I don't even know where we are with you're the plot on that one. in the Krampus <laughs> yes. snow. How did that work out? <laughs> Actually, that sounds really unfair. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> yes, but no, thank you for being here. And thank you, listener, for listening to our last yeah. show, our uh, restaurant etiquette show. Yes. Got some good feedback from you guys. Nicole D. Hill had a, had a good tip. She said, my trick is that if your party is going to uh, do the birthday thing to you at the restaurant, mm-hmm. make a bigger deal than they expect. And in the end, embarrass them to the point that they never do it again. What does that mean? I'm assuming she's singing and clapping along and dancing and making it awkward for everybody. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's dedication. I know. I think it's a good tip. Tim Buhunen said, don't trust those tip percentages they put at the bottom of the check. I've seen where the 20% is actually closer to 25 or 30%. Oh, no. I trust the machines. I don't do math. Yeah, so. neither. <laughs> I'm like, yes. Yeah, that sounds correct. Yes, yes. Stephen Hamilton said, Kenny D <laughs> said it's okay to sit on the same side of the table with a date for an intimacy factor yeah. and to people watch. Do you realize that doing this makes you the prime subject of people watching? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> We're just sidling up. You know, it's cute. Yeah, well, cute to some. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then Ryan said, I liked your rules for kids. I would add a medium rule for others without kids. Be patient with the kids out in public. This is how they learn to interact in a civilized society. And I completely agree. It's a yeah. two-way street. Totally. We'll, we'll try to, I'll try to keep all my kids wrangled if you just try to be patient. I mean, they close the restaurant for you and your family, <laughs> they but do. sure. Yeah, we don't do with other people. It's just yeah. me and my family. <laughs> but that's not what we're talking about today. What are we talking about today, Emily? Oh, me. Yeah, what are we talking about today? We're coming back to my first time on the show. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. A little Which bit. was? Which was... Shyamalan. Yes. No, I'm just kidding, but we're talking about Bruce Willis, who was in very well tied. Yes, films, which is why I'm here, right? Yeah. Anytime <laughs> yeah. we're like, um, Shyamalan, let's do a show about Bruce Willis, <laughs> or if you count Split. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. true. That's true. Yeah, very true. much. Yeah. Or, yeah. But yes, we're going to be talking about uh, Bruce Willis today and a little tribute to him and his work. But first, let's get to know the man, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. So Walter Bruce Willis. That's right. His first name is Walter. Mm-hmm. Was born in West Germany on March 19th, 1955. His mother was German. His dad was an American soldier. That's how they met. So, yeah, I had no idea that oh, Bruce Willis neither. was born overseas. He began his career on the off-Broadway stage. Well, actually, before that, let's go back here. Uh, when he was in school at Pensgrove High School, his schoolmates nicknamed him Buck Buck. Why? I wasn't able to find out. <laughs> but everyone seems to report that, and so he I doesn't don't know have buck why. teeth or anything like that. No, he had a stutter. Okay. But I don't really understand why that Buck Buck would be his name. 
but uh, kids are the worst. They are. I actually, I actually read that, and maybe you have the same information. But he had the stutter as a kid, mm-hmm. but it went away when he actually auditioned for a school play. Yes, and he realized that when he was acting, the stutter would be gone, and so yeah. he just kept that going. And that's what I want to say. He joined the drama club. Yeah, he, he uh, acting helped his stutter, and he ended up uh, becoming much more confident and and going more outgoing. And eventually, he was elected to student council president. So okay, good for him. Uh, then after he graduated, he was a security guard at a nuclear power plant. What? Yes. Is Homer Simpson? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Homer Simpson is a security guard. Oh, right, right, right. But uh, honestly, the security guard thing, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Oh. Why guards, isn't there a movie about that? Yeah. I think that's basically a lot of movies he's played. Is Probably, like, this yes. This guy's just a security guard at a nuclear power plant, <laughs> except he's black ops. <laughs> uh, he was also a private investigator for mm-hmm. a time. And then he decided to get into oh, acting because, wow. you know, I didn't really, I don't know. He just didn't enjoy it. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but he achieved fame with the leading role on the TV series Moonlighting. Right. Uh, with him and Sybil Shepherd, And that ran from 85 to 89. It was a very popular show, if you guys don't know. If, if, if listener, if you haven't seen the show, it actually is. Their dynamic is great. It's it, the model for the will they, won't they? Yes. It? Yeah. yeah. Yes. And it was one of those shows everyone was talking about back in the day. I remember seeing it on TV. I cannot tell you one single plot point. So Moonlighting will not be on your list today. No. Okay. Are we counting TV roles? <laughs> yeah, we can count TV good. roles. Ah! Are you mad? A <laughs> little bit? Yeah. It's pretty crazy, though. A lot of people try to I'm, make the I'm leap easy. from TV to movies. Mm-hmm. And he made that leap relatively fast. Yeah. I mean, from starting in Moonlighting in 1985, and his first film role was in 1987. Mm-hmm. It was a movie Blind Date with Kim Basinger. Yep. I remember the The cover, cover. we remember more than the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, I yeah. don't remember. Mm-hmm. Like, was she actually blind or was she just crazy? Crazy. Okay, I didn't know if it was like one of those Both. 80s comedies well, where we'll, like, oh, she's <laughs> yeah. blind. Maybe we might talk about it. No, <laughs> oh. <laughs> and then it was the year after he hit big with Die Hard. It depends what you mean when he says he hit big because in 1987 at the premiere for the film Stakeout, which I don't even think he was in. I don't, I don't think, think so. so. But he met Demi Moore and they got mm-hmm. married on no- November of 1987. So we talked about how he's doing, like he'd start with TV commercials, plays, yes. TV, movies. Demi Moore. He's already. Who filmed G.I. Jane. Yeah. <laughs> hey! <laughs> oh, oh. Too soon. <laughs> Those jokes don't fly anymore. <laughs> he was like, what, a quadruple threat at this point? Yeah. He's also a recording artist. Yes. What? I was going to say yeah. he, he has a band. And they put on an album, The Return of Bruno, in yeah. 1987. We don't talk about it, but yes. <laughs> and then two more albums. <laughs> in 1989 and 2001, he put out two more albums. So he's also a musician. And he hit number five on Billboard Yeah, with a version of Respect Yourself. And it features uh, backing vocals by the Pointer Sisters yeah. as well. So, you know, it, I remember hearing it. I know that mm-hmm. song. Um, but so weird because no one really knows him for that. But in the 80s, it was like a weird time for him. Yeah. He was on, <laughs> I remember, I don't know if you guys ever saw him on David Letterman. Yes. Mm-hmm. But he was one of those guests everyone looked forward to because every time he came on, he was going to be wearing a weird costume or a wig or have a bit. Like, he was hilarious. And in fact, one time uh, he was going to be a guest on the show, David Letterman got sick, and he just filled in as the host. And he really, really is funny. Like It's funny. I feel like he kind of had a Harrison Ford type swagger Mm -hmm. for an actor. uh, Like, as a kid, very insecure. And then he's one of the most confident leading men where he kind of redefined the action star from... 
I would say, the Schwarzenegger and mm-hmm. Stallones in the 80s. And then he's the everyman. Yeah. yeah. But he has this presence about him. Yeah. It's like so unlike anybody else. And it, even, you know, hearing the news, it's like there's no one like him. There's not. You know, like there's just not another. Well, I mean, he, was, he was funny and quippy. Yeah. Uh, and also an action hero. Yeah. And, and there there has been kind of a, a change in his demeanor, I guess, because like you said, Joel, it was quippy. Yeah. All the time. Yeah, yeah. And then it kind of became a little more soft-spoken and mm-hmm. gruff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like kind of like the, the strong, silent type. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which seems weird because he was, you know, he was so uh, entertaining when he mm-hmm. spoke. Uh, I do want to point out a couple things first real quick. He was actually originally cast as Terry Benedict in Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. But then he dropped out to do more recording as a musician. Yeah. So oh. that would have been weird instead of... Uh, right. In the early 2000s, which is weird. Garcia. Garcia. Andy Garcia yeah. instead of him. And then also he got a Hollywood Walk of Fame in 2006. So people are recognizing, you know, his his impact on Hollywood. And then since the early 2000s, he's appeared in many direct-to-video action thrillers, averaging about 15 minutes of screen time mm-hmm. in each film. He literally would, I mean, I shouldn't say literally, but it has been reported that he'd earn $2 million for two days of work yeah. per film. But then he would go do these indie films and these, these you know, first-time directors could be like, starring Bruce Willis. Mm-hmm. And then because they got Bruce Willis, they're like, and, and Moz Def. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he's on the poster, basically. But I was going to say, uh, it's been recently reported, and this does date the episode a little bit, but it's, you know, one of the reasons we wanted to give a little mm-hmm. tribute to him. Yeah. He recently announced, uh, his family announced that he's retiring from acting. Right. Uh, he has a condition called aphasia, I think is how you say it, that affects uh, language and cognition and it just it made working on set and working on these movies a little more difficult for yeah. him, uh, which is sad because, you know, he had like we said, he was such a, a presence before. Truly. And I'm sure he loved doing it. And for him to retire, I'm just hoping he's doing OK. Yeah, honestly. But talking about the good stuff, he has one hundred and forty four acting credits to his name wow. on IMDb. Oh. He's received Golden Globe Award, two Primetime Emmys, and two People's Choice Awards. Mm-hmm. No Oscars, though, which I... So he actually said, in regards to not being nominated for an Oscar, he says, I don't think about it too much. It just Good. always has seemed too whimsical to me to think about it. You don't get an Oscar for comedy, and you don't get mm-hmm. it for shooting people. Very true. Yeah. Because, yeah, mm-hmm. he doesn't do a lot of dramas. But his films have been wildly successful at the mm-hmm. box office. He's grossed... Uh, films featuring Bruce Willis have grossed between... $2 billion and $3 billion for North American audiences, making him, wow. uh, in 2010, he was the eighth highest grossing actor in a leading role. Jeez. So he, wow. he's got some box office draw, and I, I totally agree. Mm-hmm. At least, he's, I feel bad for, for, for the last couple of years when I see Bruce Willis is in a movie, I haven't, I've kind of sure. not been as interested. But for a while there, it was like, Bruce Willis is in this, I will go see it's it. It's interesting because he's been really pivotal for our generation. But he's more of an actor to place in a role, like a Tom Cruise almost, where you know he's going to play the Bruce Willis type, but you're always really happy and comfortable with the type he plays. That's true. Range is not his strong point. Yeah, there's a few examples here that we'll mention mm-hmm. well, I where think, I think he shows the range. I think Zach asked how many uh, distinct characters... I was telling him how I was watching all these Bruce Willis movies because I've been yeah. watching them, and he said, how many different characters or distinct characters have you seen in all these movies you watched? And I do think it kind of comes down to the the quippy everyman and the strong silent type. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's what I think his range is. Those are his two main roles. Mm-hmm. And I also talked to you guys about at what point did that happen? But I think it has to do with his hair. I agree. I actually totally agree. Once, <laughs> once like he's Samson? Like, yeah. Well, once he shaved his head and became like... he. You mean once it. he accepted the hair loss? Yes, is that yeah. what we're saying? Well, more, yeah. No, because there's, there's some... There's, we'll, I'll talk about this later, but there's there's a role where he does shave his head, but he doesn't continually do it until later and i do feel that's when he started being like more serious strong silent because i was going to point that out too yeah (laughs) really yeah Yeah. i think i think the hair has something to do with the quippiness 
Okay. We are going to do a category show, just a few short categories, just in tribute to the actor and some of our favorite roles and some roles that maybe we're a little less pleased in. But I'll be honest, like I haven't seen three quarters of his movies, yeah. but the ones I've seen have been very pivotal, I think, to filmmaking in I the past 30 we years. We talked and I said, he has 144 credits. Yeah. And I think I've seen like 35 of them. But that's quite a, that's quite a few, right? And they were pivotal. Yeah. And so we're going to be going through some categories. So uh, let's start with... Best action role. I think if we, we should all agree on this one, right? We're starting off with it because we should all agree on it. We agree. We agree. We agree. We, we agree. agree. Why we is agree. Kent not looking at me in the eyes? <laughs> I know what you're going to choose, and I failed. Best action role is Die, die Hard. Die Hard, obviously. 1988, Die Hard. So I played, I'm playing against you guys on a lot of these because <laughs> I want certain roles to be mentioned in certain places. And there's a lot of favorites I'm not including here. That is true. If we use it for one category, we are not allowed to use so it for another I category. So I saved this one, but please tell us about John McClane. So, quick synopsis. An NYPD officer tries to save his wife and several others taken hostage by German terrorists during a Christmas party at Nakatomi Plaza in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Die Hard in a Die Hard. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I say on. that because after this movie came out, everything was like, this is Die Hard on a plane. This is Die Hard on a boat. <laughs> yeah. This is Die Hard in the jungle. Like they, yeah. they, they, they use that term, obviously starring Bruce Willis, but also starring Alan Rickman in a yeah. fantastic oh, role. Fantastic. So good. Uh, and uh, Bonnie Bedelia and Reginald Bell Johnson. Like just, it's, it's, a, good, it's a good cast. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, directed by John McTiernan, who did Predator, The Hunt for October, Last Action Hero. Uh, this is this is a guy who knows. This how to is do one of the best Christmas movies out there. Yeah, budget of thirty five million, and then uh, box office was one hundred and forty one million. So this this hit the ground running. Like yeah. this was, and this was his first big role. Well, first big movie role. What was like this made him a star. Yes, he got offered five million dollars to do this movie, which was like for a first time actor. That's nuts. It was nuts, and it was a huge source of controversy. Like this would have been the, the Twitterverse would have been ablaze with this. Who's this comedic guy getting all this money? He's getting he's making as much money as Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone, who were yeah. the big mm-hmm. action heroes of the time. Right. It was based on the movie Nothing Lasts Forever by Roderick Roderick Thorpe, which hmm. turned into Die Hard. The role was turned down by both Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone. I'm glad. And I'm glad. Yeah, quite oh, fit. thank heavens! Yeah, yeah. Well, because like because like I think when he be- this is the everyman. When this is the be- beginning of it. Yeah, like when he became the action hero in the last two, mm-hmm. like the strong yeah. one. That wasn't it was, who he was to yeah, begin with. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And they reached out to Bruce Willis because he was kind of this lovable character on Moonlighting. Yeah. And they saw potential in him, but he declined because he had contractual obligations to the TV show. But then his co-host Sybil Shepherd got pregnant, and suddenly he had eleven weeks to film. Wow. This movie. And, Good timing. Uh, I mean, <laughs> expectations were super low. Like okay. they wouldn't even use his face on the poster. They oh, just kind of yeah, put the, the towers up there. Because you're like, oh, the building is just as important as McLean is. John McLean, the, the main character. Yeah. And then Alan Rickman also, this is his breakout role mm-hmm. as well, where he got put in this role and changed what a villain could be. In, that voice. So good. <laughs> yeah. That was a bad impression, but I'm throwing that out there. Hey, look, I'm not Zach. (laughs) Zach does the uh, Snape impressions around here. What? Go on. Before Zach, I did them. Go on. Uh, I'm not going to do it now, just in spite. (laughs) But it also changed, because we talked about how the the action heroes at the time were like the big, bulky, Mm -hmm. never get hurt type Mm -hmm. heroes. But also the villains were like these crazy psychopaths. And then Alan Rickman comes in as this suave businessman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he's great. He's great in this role. Maybe that's his best one. 
What do you think? But oh no, no, I'm not a. This Al is not the show. Al Rickman show. <laughs> so we need to do that. Show. Why didn't you guys do, do it? Just kidding. We're Always. Yeah. Did you see the uh, Netflix series that made us? Is that the movies that yeah, made us? Movies that yeah. made us. I have that right here. That's in my notes. what I was wondering because I was like, a lot of that stuff sounds like from that. So if you guys yeah. haven't seen that and you want more Die Hard info, that's a great episode. Yes. No. That really is the movies that made us. Yes. Uh, the Die Hard episode is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, really good. And uh, much fewer uh, f bombs than you might anticipate <laughs> in that. Like some it's of them. Like some of them. Like the alien one. All of a sudden, they're just swearing like crazy. And I'm like, yeah. what is happening here? But this one, I think it was like once or twice because they're referring to the line. Right. Mm-hmm. Fun fact also, the first day of shooting, he, uh, he being Bruce Willis, came off the set for Moonlighting, went directly to the scene of Die Hard. And the first scene they sh- they shot, according to Wikipedia, Source of Knowledge and Truth, the glass. was him jumping off the rooftop and oh, it explodes. okay. Which I was like, that's a fun way to start your day. Right. Like, like Emily said, you got to watch that series because they didn't even know the ending when filming began. Wow. They didn't know where it was going to go, but they had to start filming. Sure. So they were writing it as they went. And some of the contributions of both Alan Rickman and Bruce Willis made this movie into the epic action movie mm-hmm. that it is today. But you didn't pick that? Yeah. Well, in, in my mind, I picked it. The but second I, greatest <laughs> Christmas action movie? Oh, well, we know it's the first. <laughs> Actually, I, I shouldn't say that. More Christmassy. The second most Christmassy. People know. People know. Yes. No, uh, Watch I, Lethal Weapon. I agree with your choice, but I used it somewhere else first. <laughs> and so I'm going with The Fifth Element and Corbin Dallas because ah. it didn't quite fit anywhere else in my list. Oh, it fit on my list. Okay, good. I can't wait. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm looking at Joel's face right now. I, I love The Fifth Element. Uh, really? Yeah, to me, it was such a surprise. This came out late 90s. You know the synopsis there? For oh, the yeah. Listener? So it's here we go, in case you've never seen it. In the colorful future, a cab driver unwittingly becomes the central figure in the search for a legendary cosmic weapon to keep evil and Mr. Zorg at bay. Mr. Zorg. From Toy Story 2? <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> and by the way, the search for the uh, cosmic weapon, Lilo. Motepas. Yes. This movie kind of came out of nowhere. I don't think people even expected a lot of Bruce Willis in this role, but he's so quippy. He's so funny in this role. One thing I want to point out, too, is that Bruce Willis, I mean, he has ups and downs in his career. Yes. Where he'll have a hit and then a bunch of bombs. Yes. And then it's like, oh, this then this one saved his career and then a bunch of bombs. And this one saved it and then a bunch of bombs. Yeah. It's this weird wave of mm-hmm. success he's had. Rarely in his movies does he do hand-to-hand combat. It's a lot of gunplay, mm-hmm. for sure. And this one... It's mostly just talking and tension being built and, and maybe some chasings. And there's some gunplay at the end, but it's not a straight up action movie. But I think for his character, I think he's kind of perfect in that movie. And granted, he's no John McClane. I agree. But I needed to fit this well, it's somewhere. A di- it's a Let's different say, one. You know what is a straight up action movie? Die Hard. Die I know. Hard. That is, it is. <laughs> Emily, you are so like, right. I'm saving it. Re- relax. Okay. For me. <laughs> I know. But I think he's great in this movie. And uh, okay. yeah, he and Mila Hohovich. Yeah. It's fantastic. All right. We're going to move to our next category now. Biggest letdown. Biggest letdown. Emily, why don't you start on this one? Do we all agree? I think so, but let's... I don't know anymore. Should we sit on the count of three? No, <laughs> Considering <just kidding. laughs> that Kent didn't pick Die Hard well, we, we for We got the same action. one there, but it has to be glass. It's, it's glass. glass. It's glass. It's glass. It's, it's, it pains me to say it because like when he had that cameo in Split... We, we all saw that together, remember? We lost and our we were minds. So excited. Yes. And the, Kent the, like, wooed. I wooed. <laughs> Real like, loud. The promise, the potential that had, and and even well, in, in the movie it had some potential too. Let's bring it back a bit. Okay, okay. Synop- <laughs> do you have the synopsis glass? Do you want me to read oh, it? Oh, yeah. Do you want it? I sure. can look it up and read it. Oh, no, it. I got it. Okay. The synopsis is, uh, security guard David Dunn uses his supernatural abilities to track Kevin Wendell Crumb, a disturbed man who has 24 personalities. 
Now, I mean, back on episode 24, the M. Night Shyamalan, Emily, you were on that one. That's like 2015 stuff, I think. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That was a long time ago. That's our first guest. Yes. And uh, when we watched that, I mean, we back then, we didn't really know about Split. We didn't no. really know there was going to be anything past Unbreakable. But when Split came out, exactly like you said, it was this, oh man, we had this amazing yes. hero in Unbreakable. Yeah. We have this Great really villain. creepy villain in Split. What's going to happen when we put well, them together? And then you have the... Oh. You have the trailer too, which sets up this grand showdown with with and with Glass as the headline character. You mm-hmm. think, and then do we want to spoil Glass or I mean, no? Yeah. Uh, oh uh, no! I don't know. It's only 2019. <laughs> I mean, it's three years ago. It was. Well, like, I have to say, a puddle. A puddle. <laughs> Can I just say the movie is a puddle. Like uh huh. <laughs> just what a disgrace to yes, the character. It, it really was. And this, really was. and once again, this is not Bruce Willis's fault. Yeah, he was great. M Night Shyamalan yeah. wanted to end this unknowingly trilogy because I didn't think he'd ever get the chance to make this trilogy of yeah, sorts. Yeah, yeah, nor yeah. did he. And then he did it and it just it was fizzle. Well, uh, it was drowned in a puddle I guess basically. Could, yeah. I guess you could say that glass left me feeling half empty. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was shattered. I think I already used so, that. I think I already used that on our yeah, review when we too. were so disappointed. But uh, wow, what a bummer. I feel like even in the movie, it keeps like foreshadowing this huge showdown and you're like, okay, you're going to get to the building and it's going to like be this. It really was. Dark. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, it's going to be in the parking lot. And there's gonna be a it really was. Yeah. Like most of yeah. the movie I was on board yeah. and it was yeah. the end showdown yeah. where me I went, too. Me I'm too. out. Yeah. I'm out. Yeah. I don't like this anymore. I was, I was with it. Like I felt like the acting was really well throughout. Or really. See, I wanted to return the Return of the King sort of ending where I'm like, no, no, no. There's still more they yeah. could do. Oh, me too. Me too. But it's still then, made. Then, it's still made a but it still yeah. made two hundred and forty seven million dollars wow. against a budget of twenty million. So it, it made a profit. Mm. But I I mm. really this I did not like this. And then the twist, it's like, okay. All right. Yeah. I get, all right. But he totally I totally sabotaged an amazing character now. <laughs> I was Sarah so, Paulson. I'm so mad about yeah. the puddle. Yeah, the puddle. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's like that's all we're saying. The puddle. Just the puddle. Uh, also, fun fact: uh, Willis, Bruce Willis. I, well, I don't want to call him yeah. Willis, but Bruce Willis has appeared in five films with Samuel L. Jackson, including Loaded Weapon One, National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon One, which yeah. I think is a great cameo. Uh, Pulp Fiction, Died Hard with a Vengeance, Unbreakable, and Glass. Wow. So those two together, it's yeah. pretty good, unless yes. it's this one. Hmm. So next category is the most underrated. I know I'm already in trouble for how I started the show, so I'm going to continue that with Hudson Hawk. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Ken, that is not underrated. It's that cut. should be under dirt. It should be buried. <laughs> well, a few people would agree with you. In fact, Richard you? Richard E. Grant actually said to an actor that liked the movie, he says it was a stinking pile of steaming hot donkey droppings, and you are an idiot. So he's calling like I don't like the movie. I just think it's underrated. Wait, wait, but who did he say you are an idiot to? to an, an actor like I like I like that movie you did. Oh. And Richard Grant's like. Are you serious? Bruce Willis once said when he was making 12 Monkeys, it's a time traveling movie. And they said, if you could go anywhere in time, where would you go? And he says, just before production began. I'll tell you why, because this is such a dumb movie, but it, it's in on the joke. It knows it. This is a movie that is trying to be like a Bob Hope type road trip movie. And truly it is. With Looney Tunes sound effects. And that's just it. This movie, like, you know, if they, it's like, it's almost like a Three Stooges type homage, which is weird because it's a 90s action movie. It's and it's so trying to dumb. be, it's trying to be cool. But so I watched this one yesterday. 
Why? For this reason, because I'm like, I can't wait to watch the worst Bruce Willis movie. <laughs> you hadn't seen it before? I saw, no, this I saw it a long time ago. Completely forgot about it. Oh my it. gosh. I mean, hot it's, takes by Ken. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. And we'll see if I can top it. <laughs> to give the synopsis, a cat burglar is forced to steal Da Vinci works of art for a world domination plot. And I kind of wish that, like, you know, we could go back to the Bond show because this feels like one of the bad Roger Moore plotted bonds uh, because worse. the villains are like that campy but it's kind of perfectly campy no. like they're trying to create gold out of nothing and they're stealing the helicopter created by da vinci to do it and it's nonsensical he and denny aiello they kind of ad-libbed a lot of this movie you could tell they have yeah two, you could tell they have two like five minute segments where they're just singing while they're doing bank heists or no, museum they, they heists. do the singing so they can time it together yeah, so but they're no, different. They different did that rooms. because Bruce Willis was trying to be more famous from his singing career. At but the same in the time. context of the movie, it kind of makes sense where they're trying to time it right. So they both sing, Would You Like to Sing on a Star? Yeah. At the same time, so they can do the things at the same time. And I'm like, Man, the days before cell phones but were rough. I was. <laughs> cackling this is one of those so bad it's good movies for me because at the end of the movie you put two extra words on there spoiler yeah, yeah. so bad <laughs> spoiler alert at the end of the movie uh danny aiello's character clearly dies before the climax of the movie and he's alive at the end he's kind of burnt up and they're like how'd you survive and he's like would you believe airbags in the car <laughs> and they're like and andy mcdowell who's also in the movie and horrible she plays a nun who falls in love with bruce willis <laughs> i'm just saying it out loud feels so weird. but she goes yeah, and she almost looks at the audience and winks and goes, yeah, does that sound right to you? And they, and then the movie ends, the end. Oh, and I was laughing so hard. I'm like, you know, I would watch this again. This was oh. not a painful experience for oh, me. Oh, that was bad. <laughs> Joel, what's yours? My underrated film is actually one that I feel is underrated. Uh, it's Bandits, 2001. Is it underrated? I feel like people like it. Uh, well, I mean, it, the budget was $75 million and it mm -hmm. made $67 million at the box okay. office. So did not do well. The synopsis is pretty simple. Two bank robbers fall in love with the girl they've kidnapped. So you have Bruce Willis and Billy Bob Thornton, and they, they kidnap Kate Blanchett in this weird yeah. roundabout situation. But they are the most charismatic uh, bank robbers ever. Yeah. And Billy Bob Thornton is hilarious mm -hmm. as, as uh, oh, what is it? Twitchy. What is it? Twitchy. They call him Twitchy, but I can't remember his name. Terry. It's Terry. And, and just quotable lines from this. I, the first time I saw it, I was amazed by this movie. As the years have passed, it's it's still entertaining, but it has, has lost a little bit of magic. Well. Okay. No, no, it's still I still like it. I still give it four stars because I enjoy it. But I do feel like uh, maybe Billy Bob Thornton is kind of the standout star here, and Bruce Willis, okay, is a little more uh, the straight man, the, the you know mm -hmm. the, the person who was not doing the funny stuff. Although they have some fantastic lines from this, I love the dialogue in it. The music's fun. Uh, this is directed by Barry Levinson, who did Good Morning Vietnam and Rain Man. If you haven't seen Bandits, it's a fun. Uh, PG-13 heist movie. Ending's a little weird, but yeah. eh, I, I actually think the ending is one of the reasons people kind of went, I don't know about that. Yeah, But it's super likable. Yeah. The characters are likable, including Bruce Willis is very likable in his role. So, Bandits. 2001. Okay, I'm kind of scared to say my... Okay, I'm excited. Underrated, like, please take like, the attention people, off of me. Because Ken picked a really big stinker. It, apparently, I picked an obvious uh, one. Mine apparently well, not is a big stinker, but yes. too, because like on IMDb, it's in the four range. Ooh. <laughs> But, it, okay, I'm going to have to just say a lot with this show. A lot of this is childhood nostalgia Okay, for I me. totally understand okay, that. Okay, this yes. is a childhood nostalgia pick of one of those movies that we watched in our household. And it's like, it's a kid's movie. And it's North. 
Wow. Okay. Joel, whose is worse? Whose is worse? Yours. <laughs> oh, Hudson Hawk is worse than North? Yes. I don't think so. Um, tell, tell us about North, Emily. Well, North first about? off, let me just say that this is one of Roger Ebert's like least favorite yeah, movies ever. Yeah, he hates ever. it so In much. In fact, Google says, Ebert disliked North so much. One of the collections of its most negative reviews, I hated, hated, hated this movie, gets its name from his take, which said, I hated this movie, hated, 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 hated this movie, hated it, hated every simpering, stupid, vacant, audience insulting moment of it. Wow. So, I mean, from that, underrated, right? <laughs> oh, tell, yeah. tell, the, tell the people the story of North. I what's mean, it, what's uh, it about? Okay. Sick of the neglect he receives from his mom and dad, a young boy leaves home and travels the world in search of new parents. Basically... Starring a little Elijah Wood. Yes, yeah. a little tiny what, Elijah Wood, little tiny Bruce, Scarlett Johansson. What's Bruce Willis's role in the movie? So he's kind of like this guardian angel uh -huh. for... Narrator? For, yeah, he's like the... Yeah, he, he's the narrator. Yeah. And he's just like... So Elijah Wood just goes to all these different cultural stereotype parents. Yeah, no, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> you know, there's like the, it's the super Eskimos shallow. Right. and the Hawaiians and they're all really... You know, it's one it's, of those. It's like, a movie it's that, like, could, that could get away with the nineties. No, yeah, okay. it's, like, it's one of you those. You couldn't make like, that now. No. Disney would do that. That thing that was wrong then, it's wrong now. <laughs> <laughs> so there'd be a warning in Disney yes, Plus. There'd be a warning in Disney Plus warning. for this. But honestly, as like a kid seeing this movie, it's kind of this like you know when you like your whole family makes you mad. And you're like, I'm going to show them they don't deserve me kind of thing when you're a kid like that. It's kind of like that. Like, I'm going to get new parents. I'm going to find someone who really appreciates me. Maybe. So you related to North. Thing. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, anger. 100%. No. But so it's just kind of funny because he just travels the world and it's just a silly kid movie that everybody hates. And wow. I don't think Apparently it I that. didn't understand the assignment because we're supposed to pick the dumbest thing ever. Yeah, no, it's the <laughs> under, it's good. underrated like, movie, Joel. Both those movies Bandits are you Universally agreed as bad. Well, have you seen it? North? Yeah. I think I did back in the day. Okay. Yeah. It's not that bad. <laughs> it has some really fun no. moments. And you get to see um, <laughs> Elaine and, and George from Seinfeld as yeah. a married couple. Yeah, which, weird. Uh, which was before I watched Seinfeld. So I never thought that was weird then. Uh -huh. But in hindsight, did it like, come out during so the run of Seinfeld? Yeah. yeah oh, so that was intentional. But, so like, I was a kid before you yeah. know, watching Seinfeld. And then I was like, oh, yeah, that's pretty weird now. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great choice. <laughs> Is it? Yeah, it is because they're trying to be controversial a little bit. Yeah, These are yeah. under, said underrated. Underrated. It there is comes underrated. Like there how comes a point. There comes a point when the bucket is so low in the well <laughs> that even when you raise it a like, little bit, it's still in the sludge. He's really good in it, honestly. Like he just has this cool presence the whole time, and he's just awesome. Yeah, and Bruce Willis has a screenwriting credit for Hudson Hawk as well. Oh my gosh! <laughs> All right. So from underrated to Bruce Willis's most overrated film, Joel. The Fifth Element. I knew the it. The Fifth Element you is the most be overrated film. More wrong. No, no, I'm not saying. Okay, I personally didn't like it that much, but I can see why other people do. And okay. so I'm not so it's saying personally overrated because you don't see it. No, I just, I just, like people are like, oh, the Fifth Element, the Fifth Element, it's the Fifth cool. Element, and then it's I saw super it, cool. and I'm like, wow, it's just a messy, off-putting movie where Chris Tucker's voice is grating it's and annoying. It's a great character, though. Gary Oldman <gasps> is very weird. Like, Such an amazing villain. weird. Bruce Willis is sleepy in this movie. Mia Yohovich is good. It's just great. <laughs> and I just thought so. Yeah. But this movie, uh, directed by uh, Luc Besson, who did Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets, 
Uh, let's give that as a credit. I know you're throwing Lucille. that as a slight, but it's French sci-fi. He tried to get it made in France, but they didn't have everything he needed there, so he had right. to get it made elsewhere. It is, however, at the time of its release, the most expensive European film ever made. Wow. Uh, at $90 million to the budget. And it made $263 million at the budget, at the box office. Uh, Bruce Willis and Mel Gibson were, were approached for the lead role. Mm-hmm. And then Willis... <laughs> Willis expressed uh, interest, but he was reluctant to take on the role because he just did Hudson Hawk at Billy Bathgate, <laughs> and they were received poorly, and he's like, right. what, what's this one going to do to my career? Then when Mel Gibson turned down the role, Bruce Willis took it. And I would say it revitalized it. I'd and say it revitalized his career for a bit. In 2007, I want to point this out, the Visual Effects Society placed the fifth element at number 50, tied with Darby O'Gill and the Little People yeah. on their list of the 50 most influential visual effects films of all time. Whoa. So Darby O'Gill and Fifth Element Those right bands. there together. <laughs> and then, Kent, we were talking about the reviews of... talk. You talked about... Uh, who was that? Who said Hudson Hawk was terrible? Uh, Bruce Willis and the two actors from it. Ah, yes. Yes. Well, in this one, Gary Oldman was asked in 2014 if he liked The Fifth Element. And he said, oh, no, I can't bear it. Oh, and then he's he said, so fun in the role. He, he added, it was me singing for my supper because Luke had come in and partly financed the film I was working yeah. on. It it does not sit well with me. I just really? find it annoying. Every time Chris Tucker is on screen screaming at me, I hate this movie. That movie doing that built for most cr- of the, movie. the Chris Tucker role, though. Mm, yeah. Not a fan of The Fifth Element. I think it's, it's, great. it's overrated. Okay, I kind of did this to uh, to dare to be the villain, and I kind of did yes. this because of you, yeah. and I kind of did this mean? because you overrated it to me what? and i had such high expectations oh, when no. i finally went to see it and but guess what though i rewatched it today and i was like okay that's it's actually pretty good but i don't have time to come up with okay. another pick so okay, I'm excited. Anyway. and looper oh <laughs> no listen listen actually okay. people could say it's overrated because it gets a little you know convoluted what? you know what yeah Here's why I'm saying, here's why I'm making the case. Go on. Because it was so overrated, we ended up with Ryan Johnson directing Last <laughs> Jedi. People had such it's, faith in him as a filmmaker. It's no, true. Um, yeah. Actually, though, no, it's pretty good. I, I went back it's and really rewatched good. it. But I think, I think I initially was kind of disappointed. And there is a lot of convoluted. Like, it's a little convoluted. Yeah. I well, think, I mean, anytime you get time travel, yeah, it's going to yeah. get a little yeah, convoluted. Yeah, and there's a lot of that in there. In fact, I, let me read the synopsis okay, real quick yeah, here, thanks, just because I have thanks, it here. Yeah. In 2074, when the mob wants to get rid of someone, the target is sent back into the past where a hired gun awaits, someone like Joe, who one day learns the mob wants to close the loop by sending back Joe's future self for assassination. Okay, so please, listeners, don't actually hate me because it was pretty good. So I'm not really like being hateful. <laughs> so on, upon rewatch, something could be pretty good, and that yes. means it's overrated. So it was yeah, like, it's the best yes, ever. Like, yes. It's pretty good. So here's some of my issues with like it, Man of Steel. Yeah. Oh. Can, no, no. Can, what you, are no. you doing right now? <laughs> because you played, did that on purpose. No, I'm saying because I think it's pretty good. But you put it on a pedestal so high that my pretty good became well, I think, sure. I, I think that's what happened here too. But so some okay. of my issues with it, like first off, like I know they're trying to like mesh. JGL and Bruce Willis, Joseph but they Gordon do Levin. not. Sorry, yes. That's we call him by his initials. It's fine. B-dubs they, and uh, JGL. They just, they just don't mesh as younger and older You're versions. Right. They do but the not. makeup and is he, actually pretty impressive. No, but his makeup is so weird. Like, he's so weird looking at him the whole time. And that's coming from me, who loves him. Like, I'm like, yeah. ooh, he looks well, so weird Well, because they covered his normal face. You're yes. like, I'm mad. Yes, he does not look... Uh, anyway, so that's kind of one of my issues. But I also feel like the backstory with his wife, just, it's like, I don't care enough. Like, okay. they're not showing enough to justify the stuff that he does in the later half of the movie it's not enough like they either should have just like really started with that and like mm-hmm. really built that story so you care as much as he does but then you because in the later half you're like come 
come on, they're kids. Come on, you're really going to do that? But it's yeah. kind of like that, like, do you kill baby Hitler thing, you know? Right. <laughs> so, I mean, that's an interesting concept. And mm-hmm. so I did like it more this time, like, like 10 years later. But, I get it, though. But, but I was a little initially after the you're hype. You're like, thanks, Ken. Yeah. Yeah. I like Looper, too. Made yeah. my best yeah. of list that year. Which yeah. is why now I try to lower everyone's expectations <laughs> yes. of movies so they like yeah. them more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. But so, so anyway, that's the one I picked because, honestly, I didn't have time to come up with anything else. But I was like, this probably doesn't really deserve it, but... I'm putting it there anyway, just to, just for the shock value. Honestly. Okay. Well, I want to apologize to everyone because I chose red. I think red is incredibly oh. overrated. I'd say rated. I wouldn't say overrated. Do you think it whhelms people? It whelms well, people. <laughs> okay. There, I think a certain audience definitely. You, you mean really, like the older PG-13 yeah, yeah, audience? Yeah. It's <laughs> like, I, audience. I need that DVD is $4. <laughs> I'm buying that. Yeah. Can you want to give a synopsis of red? So when his peaceful life is threatened by a high-tech assassin, former Black Ops agent, once again, Black Ops, Frank Moses reassembles his old team in a last-ditch effort to survive and uncover his assailants. So just think retired assassins. Remember in the old 2000s when they're like, Old people being killers is cool. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and everyone got their own vigilante movie. Yes. This one, they got an amazing cast. It really is a good because cast. Because Bruce Willis, Morgan Freeman, Helen Mirren, and John Malkovich. And John yeah. Malkovich steals this movie. As the crazy assassin. Yeah, they're all really good. But guess what's not good? The script. <laughs> it's super sloppy. It's, I think it's fine. It's kind of boring. I would say some of the action is fun to watch if it's kind of on a background level <laughs> but if you're paying attention like it's just kind of dumb i liked it oh i'm, I'm not saying i, I think it's i you're saying this is dumb which means to me this is bad. like italian job level of overratedness i also like the italian job. i get it you know it's it's very like mainstream popular but then it's like there's nothing more to it it's very surface level i can't believe you're uh saying anything is surface level when it has your boy in it Carl Urban? No, Edward Norton. <laughs> oh, you mean Italian job. Yeah. He hated that movie, by the way. I'm just going to put it out there. But yeah, it, it's brain cavity action and it's fine. But everyone's like, no, that is such a fun action movie. I'm like, it's one of the forgettable ones of the 2000s. I was not the demographic for this neither, movie. Neither, neither. <laughs> Apparently like, I, I was. I didn't see it with my dad, I, I didn't see that movie. <laughs> Am I an old soul? <laughs> well, this is one that's like on you're the top old. of the Walmart bargain bin and you're like, yes, yeah. worth every penny. Yeah. And then you get Red 2 and you're like, I may watch that one or not. I, still, I don't know if I've seen Red 2. Yeah. Hmm. It's worse. Is it? <laughs> yes. Now we're going to go into a realm that I think uh, both Kent and Emily will succeed at, considering <laughs> they've failed most of the time before this. I fell on this one too. Uh, hipster pick. <laughs> Who wants to do their hipster? Uh, Emily, you go first for this yeah. one. Hipster pick. Okay, so... Your hipster Bruce again, Willis pick. To preface this, like, I don't really like this movie at all, but I feel like it's the only... It's the hipster pick if you're going to pick hipster and it would be Moonrise Kingdom. I don't like oh. this movie, actually. Like, uh, You I, don't? No. He's it's, great in this movie. He's great. Movie. No, that's why I picked it. Well, then okay. I think he's really good in he's it. He's so like, good He's like, he's the best it. part, I think. Well, is it the one of, scene that creeps yes, you out? Yes, it's okay. the one scene. It ruins the whole because movie. Because I think the it movie's kind of hilarious. Yeah, it, like it, but it... Mm. Wes so, Anderson, by the way. Wes Anderson movie, the synopsis, a pair of young lovers flee their New England town, which causes a local search party to fan out to find them. And th- I mean, this has Wes, this has uh, oh, it, yeah, his boy. Everyone. In it. Yeah, yeah Edward Norton. Everybody, everyone's in this movie. <laughs> Every usual Wes Anderson character's yeah, all in this. The, all the usual. But Bruce Willis, yeah. who is new to yeah, the world of Wes he, Anderson. Yeah, and he was great. So that's, great. That's, and I actually, he fit right in. I did yeah. rewatch this one because like I, I hadn't seen it since came out and i i hated is that, that scene, scene still just as yeah, awkward yeah yeah it is <laughs> we'll talk I, about I, it later. I went, will we i don't know oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> for me like the movie is like doing this really cute innocent thing the whole time and then that one scene it's like you can't they're trying to have their cake and eat it too where yeah. it's like it's, it's like, oh, is this a kid movie or isn't it? And you so, know, and they kind of take it too far. You're saying it's, it's hipster because it's really a yeah. well-known oh, movie. Yeah. Is but, it though? 
I don't think it's one of his better known. Uh, well, Wes Anderson movies. movies they all kind of yeah. melt into yeah, one. And I, I mean, I think the it share is, of verse. Yeah. Yes. He's great in it, and so it's a great pick for seeing him in a hipster role and something different than his usual. I mean, I think he still is kind of a version of it, like we said, but it's different. I feel like it's one of his different roles that he doesn't feel the exact same. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I cheated on this one. I chose two. So I'm just going to mention right. my... Gosh, do you know how to obey any of the rules? No, we're because about this one, I was like, but I love all these movies. Which one do I choose first? So this one, it's not really... Well, it's hipster because I think it's been forgotten about. But I think it made a big impact at the time for the supporting actor, Brad Pitt, and the movie is 12 Monkeys. This one and came you're out... cut off there. You can't give any others. 1995, please. No. <laughs> uh, so this one came out in 1995, and this was or just after Bruce Willis went through a slump in his career. Mm-hmm. The early 90s were really bad. And then he came out with 12 Monkeys, which is a Terry Gilliam movie. Yeah, Monty Python. Right. Terry Gilliam, he makes like the weirdest movies out there. this isn't a comedy. Not at all. 12 Monkeys is a time travel movie, so Bruce Willis really likes the genre. Apparently. But this one is very high concept. So I'm going to give the synopsis, see if it sounds a little familiar. In a future world devastated by disease, a convict is sent... This part, no. A convict is sent back in time to gather information about the man-made virus that wiped out most of the human population on the planet. Dun, dun, dun. This is one of those I think we could have all watched at the beginning of a certain point in our lives in recent history. (laughs) And it's the time travel, like the, the future dystopia is really creepy. And then when he comes back to normal time, he sent back six years previous to this pandemic. And he's it's sent to a lunatic style. asylum. Yes, it's it an is. usual style of filming, too, where you're as confused as he is at yes. times. And then it becomes a really heartbreaking story. It's actually a great performance by Bruce Willis, but he gets overshadowed by Brad, Brad Pitt, Pitt, who was new onto the scene at that point. Yeah. Or relatively new. Uh, but it is a, a fascinating movie. And I think it's kind of forgotten about because it's one of those 90s thrillers that everyone's like, oh, I, I saw, I think, maybe. But I just remember uh, Rocky Point Haunted House back in the day when it was here in Utah. Yeah. In the, in the asylum rooms, they'd play clips from this movie in the back. Oh, really? Like, okay. The audio. So you'd hear Brad Pitt ranting and raving. and Yeah. yeah. So uh, big for Bruce Willis at the time, but I don't think anyone knows or cares about it anymore. I still think it's good. Yeah, it is good. Yeah. Did you want to give your second one? I'm in Hostage. Okay. Have you guys seen Hostage? Yeah. It's a great film for uh, Ben Foster. It's a home invasion movie and it's weird it's the beginning of the bruce willis kind of action role yes. type yeah it's the bald bruce willis era yes that's the beginning yeah it's near the beginning it's after unbreakable oh because that's yeah. what i was yes it's say. 2005 but yeah it's, oh i did i did research we'll get to it okay, yeah it's okay. it's overly stylized it's definitely feels more like suburbia mm-hmm. as far as style but uh yeah it's worth watching i don't think yeah. anyone's really seen it no that's the one i told you where i spent a whole summer trying to scare a girl with horror movies in college because yeah. she said she, could, she didn't get scared yeah didn't get scared by any of the horror movies i showed her then we watched this movie and she freaked out makes sense because she was like it's real it could happen yeah I'm like, okay all right what's yours uh my number my hipster pick i thought one of you two were gonna bring it up maybe not but i chose lucky number 11 i was hoping you would i purposely didn't okay. I knew you would because yes. uh, this is one honestly i i i have on here because I got it when Clean uh, Cleanflix was clearing out their inventory, and I was like, "Oh, Bruce Willis movie, sure, I'll watch that." Yeah, and I just bought it because it was like they were getting rid of all their inventory. Uh, so, lucky number Slevin, if you don't know, and you probably you don't, a case of mistaken identity lands Slevin into the middle of a war being plotted by two of the city's most rival crime bosses. Under constant surveillance by Detective Burkowski and Assassin Goodcat, he must get them before they get him. It's a jumble of words, but it, it all makes sense in the movie. Oh, what you need to know is there's two crime bosses and yeah. this guy, Josh Hartnett, in the middle. Such uh, a great role for him. the two, it's Morgan Freeman and Ben Kingsley are the two crime bosses. Josh Hartnett's in the middle, and he's kind of being mistaken for this guy they think he is. Mm-hmm. And 
kind of pulled into this world of crime. Emily, have you seen this? I have not. You should. Yeah. So this one is rated R for strong violence and sexuality and language. So if you want to clear play DVD, you can. It's available on clear play DVD. But when I first watched this, it kind of blew my mind because of all the twists and turns that were happening in it. And I love the way they speak with you. Lucy Liu is in this. She's fantastic in her role. Very quippy, uh, quick-witted dialogue with each other. And maybe it's just because so many movies like this came out after or around. Smoke and Aces, Shoot yeah, em Up, yeah, all that a, kind of stuff. A lot of the yeah. Guy Ritchie stuff. And so I kind of, watching it again, I was kind of like, well, it's pretty obvious where this movie's going. Right. But at the time, it was kind of just boom, cool. Yeah. So cool. It's a cool movie. It, it's a lot of fun. It is It is highly violent. Yes. Uh, just watch out for but that. But sometimes that's the reason for watching it. <laughs> I mean, am I wrong? Like, we all love John Wick here. Yeah, yes, but John, that, that's so cool. Yeah, This, this cool. almost feels gratuitous at times where okay. I'm like, okay. I'm but uh, <laughs> jump back to Bruce Willis here. He plays this strong, silent type, but he's kind of more than meets the eye. And mm-hmm. he's right at the beginning of this whole speech, and then he appears throughout the movie. So it's not like his role. It's Josh Hart in its movie, but Bruce Willis plays a very strong supporting role. Yep. Recommended. Lucky number Slevin. S-L-E-V-I-N. Next one, we're on personal favorites. Personal, personal favorite role. role. Yeah, not movie. Personal favorite role. So this better be Die Hard. Kent. It's Die Hard. Okay, okay. John McClane. <laughs> this is the first one I chose because I'm like, well, it was between this one and another role, which I'll get to. But I, I, I can see. I, this I is I, John McClane. This is, I would say, his legacy role, which is why I didn't make it the actual one. Which That's is, fine. That, honestly, this could have been. This is comedy. It's okay to be wrong. This Kent. is comedy, action, drama. Sometimes, yeah. Uh, there's so many layers to John McClane. You already talked about the plot, but I want to talk more about like who he is as an action hero in the first three movies, because I think that's where he's really stand out in the fourth one to a lesser extent, but still pretty good. But like in the first Die Hard, he's trying to make his marriage work. He's going to this Christmas party for his wife and he's grumpy, but he's like jet lagged. Yeah. And he doesn't want to be there. And obviously he becomes this hero somehow. And then in the second one, like his marriage is good. Like there's an, actually an arc. It's not just like I'm John McClane again. And why did I get put in this situation? He's more jokey. Like he's a jovial character. Is he though? Yeah, I would say so. Because he's in a better place. I just feel like Die Hard 2, it's a little more serious in tone. I don't know why. I think the plot is based on like the threat. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think he as a character is happier. And then the third one, life is bad. He's like a straight up alcoholic. And so there is this progression and decline of the character. And I think he plays it so well up until the writers forgot who John McClane was. And so for me, it's John McClane and Die Hard as his best role. What people know Bruce Willis for. I like it. Joel? I'm Uh, guessing we have the same one. I don't know if we do. Okay. Okay. Maybe. I think so. I chose a sixth sense. That's what I chose. Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> We're agreeing. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> so I chose the sixth sense because as a character, and this is, I mean, the movie aside, the movie probably is one of my favorite movies of any of his movies, but I also wanted to pick this role because I think as Dr. Malcolm, he is like, he's vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I mean, at first he's kind of, you know, just kind of whatever, but the way he reaches out to Cole, uh, played by Haley Joel Osment, and talks, I should probably, I'll give a synopsis, but I'm not giving any spoilers. <laughs> oh, really? I'm not giving any spoilers I for this I spoiled movie. Hudson Hawk for you. <laughs> That's a different animal. Uh, but the synopsis, of a frightened, withdrawn Philadelphia boy who communicates with spirits seeks the help of a disheartened child psychologist. And I like that he has this arc of kind of like, he was a great psychologist. He hasn't been good. His marriage isn't good. He's mm-hmm. having a rough time with that. But he's still so warm and even goofy at times with this kid yeah. that you really start to like him. And and as a person, like not as Bruce Willis, but as this Dr. Malcolm character. 
I will never forget my first time watching this movie. I think it's a fantastic movie. And yes, I will yeah. avoid spoilers because sometimes my kids watch, listen to Bacon Sale and I have to turn it down whenever we talk about Six Sense. Sure. Because <laughs> I already blew uh, two of their minds already uh-huh. and I want to make sure I get all the rest of the 47. <laughs> and actually, it's funny because this role of uh, Malcolm, uh, Dr. Malcolm Crow, is that his last name? Dr. Yes, Malcolm, Crow. Yep. Malcolm, yeah. Yep. Um, but it, his role was a deal they made, the studio made with Bruce Willis because he was on this other movie uh, called Broadway Brawler, which imploded and didn't get made. And he still had a contractual agreement to films. Okay. So they threw him into this role as kind of like, okay, have this. Because once again... So Shyamalan just kind of oh, adopted wow. him? He really? was kind of in a slump and then he came back up with this in. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Kind of like that. Wow. I had no idea that. Yeah. That's right. And I, 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 liked, I talked so much. I like the sorry. range uh, because like in the late 90s, there's Fifth Element and there's this one. Mm-hmm. Right, and so it's like they're two wildly so different just characters. So slumping until this one. Is what I you're would say no, but I'm just saying like we talk about oh lack of range. They're completely different oh. characters, and it's great. One has bleached hair. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> He's so good in this. He's so yeah. good. And honestly, there's a category later that I it was a battle between because, uh, but I won't say what it is. But yeah, he's so good in this. Um, Joel said it. It's like you just see the, his relationship with um, Cole. Cole, yeah, and his wife. Like, there's just so much, and that that scene where he finally realizes re- light bulb, yeah, a, a light bulb. Thank the, you, near the end. Wow, it, <laughs> we spoiled this movie so many times on the show, but yes, <laughs> but like when he, the realization of 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 his status or whatever you want to say is, it's like you just see it on his face, and he he brings it all together, it's peace. and and the fact that he's able to play the role. And trick the audience, really. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, it's such a multi-layered, yeah. everything that's going yeah. on right. here. It comes down yeah. to Shyamalan yeah. directing, but also definitely comes down to Bruce Yeah, Willett yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Shyamalan brings out really great performances of his performance. performance. Tony Collette. Yes, yes. Yeah. Fantastic. But so like, I think that he brings out one of the best performances, a couple of the best performances from Bruce Willis. And so this one's one of my personal favorites. Yeah. The, the Just so many great scenes, you know, the, like the icy dead people and just the, his face, you know, as he's like putting together all the stuff and mm-hmm. whether or not he wants to believe him, he's just great in this. And it's one of my favorite movies too. So this was an easy pick. And yeah, it's a great give, choice. Yeah. Because obviously the best action one goes to die hard. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. Obviously. Yeah. But, yeah. but who's it going to be remembered for? John McClane. All right, the next one is best comedic role. Joel, do you want to get us started with this one? Yeah, I'll go off the dumb path here, and I'm going to say because childhood favorite. I'm going to go with Emily here. Okay, this is a childhood this is, favorite of mine. I'm wondering if Hold on, I highly enjoy it. Is it look who's talking? Look who's talking. So I. By the way, that intro when you're a kid, I I I you're like, what does this mean? It's biology, kids. <laughs> I your, still your don't mom know. didn't teach you about that. Um, <laughs> Not at that age. Look who's talking. Also, get one, one of those movies that would never be made today. No, but it's if you don't know what it's about, uh, the synopsis is: after a single career-minded woman is left on her own to give birth to the child of, of a married man, she finds a new romantic chance in a cab driver. Meanwhile, the point of view of the newborn baby is narrated through voiceover. Yeah, it's a sloppy synopsis, but what it says is: there's a baby. And you can hear its thoughts, like it's talking. Such like I remember after he's, born, after he's born, you have Bruce Willis's voice, because Bruce Willis is the voice of the baby going, oh, it's cold out here. Put me back in. Put me back in. <laughs> and, have uh, you watched this in the past 30 years? <laughs> mm, I wonder how it's aged. I, I wonder, too. I actually yeah. went to, I was trying to watch this one before we came in here, but okay. I was like, you know what? I'll just put it there. Sure. Because I got to Because it's a childhood ones. choice. You probably but, watch it five or six times. Like and, me. Oh, I, worth. No, five or six, nothing. We had this on tape, man. Oh. I watched this so many times. <laughs> and it's got John Travolta and Kirstie Alley in it. I, it's just, it's ridiculous fun. And it's it did so well at the box office because it had a budget of $7.5 million. All right. It made almost $300 million at the box what? office. What? 
Huge. Oh wow. Huge hit. <laughs> and spawned That's awesome. two sequels, Look Who's Talking 2, where they grew up and talked a little more. Well, and Roseanne. And Look Who's Talking Now, which I think is the dog one. Yeah. So, yeah. The 80s. Yeah, it was, cra- it was a crazy time. And, the, and the, I mean, that's 1993, so we get into the yeah. 90s there. But, oh, you're right. Yeah. Look who's talking. Such a dumb, ridiculous movie. But for some reason, I think Bruce Willis is hilarious in it as the baby voice. Yeah. At least that's what you remember. But yes. yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is, again, another weird childhood perceptions movie. And I don't really know how I saw it, like watching it now as an adult, because I did rewatch this one. I don't know where I would have seen this because there's a lot of adult stuff in it, you know, actually. Um, I picked Death Becomes Her. So did oh I. Oh, my gosh. Death Becomes Her. Yeah. And that's what I was when we were talking about at the beginning How of the show. How do I not have that on my list? When I was talking about the beginning of the show where there's one outlier performance, it's this. Yes. Because he, and, and I'm going to tell you, like, this is going off of my perceptions as a child. I remember thinking, oh, this is about this two beautiful women and this goofy guy that somehow gets both of them. And he comes off as this total like doofus yeah. the whole time. And he's, and when you realize that that's Bruce Willis who has so much charm, right? And he's playing, he's and playing like a Rick Moranis type yes, character. Which, yes, uh, once yes. again, synopsis, when a woman learns Thank of you. an immortality treatment, she sees it as a way to outdo her longtime rival. Yeah. So this is Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn taking this immortality potion. Mm-hmm. And then the, the regular husband, yeah. Bruce Willis, yeah, being an idiot. Yeah, and it it yeah. works because generally he's a funny actor in action movies mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. In, even in some of his dramas. This is him not throwing out jokes, but being agitated the whole time. Yeah. Being and, nervous. Well, and one of my great. favorite lines in the whole thing is is his wife. So they're immortal, meaning yes. they, yeah. they can't die, but they still can get injured. And so she falls down the stairs and breaks her neck. And Meryl Streep does. And they, they take her away. And then when Bruce Willis finds out, he's like, where is she? And they're like, she's in the morgue, sir. And he's like, the morgue? She'll be furious. I know. His, his comic timing in, in those scenes, especially to like when he discovers both of them. Yeah. It's so funny. Like he, he really does such a great job in it. I feel like this hilarious. is aged like fine wine. Really? Yes. Because I was, I was watching it again. I was like, uh, except for the Isabella really Rosalini weird. stuff. Yeah. But uh, I think this movie is kind of a, because it was meant to be a Tales from the Crypt movie. Uh, okay. That totally and makes sense. It actually. really, the style is so fun. I think this is a great Halloween this, movie. This is, uh, well, that's the thing. Is, it is kind of this Halloween feel, yes. but it's also a comedy. I cannot believe. So I made a list, guys, yeah. of, of like, I put the kind of good Bruce Willis, Bruce Willis movies and bad Bruce sure. Willis movies. I totally missed this one on the IMDb list. I would have totally put that somewhere I'm on my surprised. list. But yeah, I'm glad like you did. Look who's talking because really, we're representing here. He really okay. is like so great in this role. Yes. Like he's just so funny. And it's and and again, as a kid, I was just like, who is that weird guy? And then like when I grew up, I'm like, that was Bruce Willis that played that oh, role. Yeah. You know, like it's crazy because he, he really just disappears in it. And it's yeah, fantastic. it's kind of like Rick Moranis, like the way he's acting yeah. in it, which is so on Bruce Willis. So that's like the weird outlier, I feel like, of his filmography. Totally agree. Okay, good, great choice. And now we're going from the comedy to the drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, best dramatic role for Bruce Willis. Okay, honestly, I did this. Like I said earlier, I wanted Six Sense here so bad. And right. I'm guessing you probably did since you saved it. But anyway, I wanted Six Sense here so bad. But I did a runner up because it's really it really is the Six Sense. But I'm doing Unbreakable. As a I did Unbreakable. As well. <laughs> I did Unbreakable, and it's not the runner up. Oh, it's actually the winner. We all okay, picked This okay, is a okay. way more refined we all character. Yeah, yes, we yeah. did. David Dunn. Yes. yes. Is oh, great... now I know why you picked him. Oh, it's not just. Oh, hey, listen. Listen. No, the, David are... Dunn's my father. I think where Sixth Sense was finding its legs, and it's an immaculate movie, Unbreakable is this hidden masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The moments in this movie and what Bruce Willis needs to do, and it's subtlety. Well, and I, here, I, I almost hesitate to read a synopsis only because I went to this movie completely blind, and that was so much fun. But I'll read the synopsis. Okay. 
a man learns something extraordinary about himself after a devastating accident. Well, there you go. <laughs> like, no, truly, this is a movie where it's like he's a former football player and he decided not to choose that career for his family. And he's in an estranged marriage at that point. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, that's exciting. How is this like meant to be a as big as it was? The opening scene where he's uh, oh, wow. hitting, hitting on a woman. Yeah. And it mm. just goes poorly. Yeah. I still remember the gut feeling where I was like, oh, that was awkward. And I don't really like this guy. And then by the end, I'm like. Mm-hmm. David Dunn. Yeah. David Dunn's my father. Yeah. I mean, this, the scene with his son where he has the gun. Oh, man. Insane. Oh, my God. Where, he, where he finally makes the revelation mm-hmm. at yeah. the end where he accepts what he's meant to do. I think this is, I mean, truly, there's like uh, top 10 best Bruce Willis characters. Yes. This is truly among them. I don't even and think this is second. And not just because his last name matches yours. Okay. Yeah. All right. It, it helps, it though. Is, it's a good one. I think there's so much more under the surface with yes. this character, too. Right. There's so much pain and and so many, like, you know, life choices. Yeah. That, he's like, that he kind of regrets. He has a burden on him, you know? Totally. Yeah. And, and you see it like lift throughout the movie. So, well, yeah. And fun fact, he did shave his head for this That's role. That's what I was going to say. Is this but the one? So I <laughs> don't, that this isn't, this is when he started doing it regularly. He uh, has hair after, but I didn't think he started doing it regularly until Live Free or Die Hard in 2007. But, That's oh, when right. shaved head Bruce Willis became that serious. That was the but Delilah face. was this face. the first bald role. I, I, think I think so. so. That's I, what I, w- I literally went through his IMDb page and like looked at pictures of him in each role and be like hair, <laughs> yeah. and hair, because, hair, well, I, no hair. Like, this was basically kind of back to back with uh, Sixth Sense. Yeah, and yeah. He had one hair. year after they each other. So yeah, that's why I always saw this as the like pre-hair and post. Yeah. <laughs> and so this is, I mean, we, we've kind of danced around, but this is kind of an origin story mm-hmm. type situation and it's done so well. Fun fact, uh, M. Night Shyamalan, the director of this movie, confirmed a fan theory that the five-year-old boy and the woman walking by who bump into David Dunn, and then he has the flash of the mom mistreating the boy, that that is Kevin Wendell Crumb and his mom Penelope mm. Crumb from Split. I mean, it's it's fun. It's, you know, sure. I, I think Throw he, that in there. I honestly think he heard that theory and went, yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> yeah. You should help me <laughs> yeah, write the next yeah, movie. Yeah. Yeah. Glass. Yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> but no, truly, what an amazing character. And what a fantastic yeah. movie. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Yeah. Okay. Wow. We all agreed. We totally ah, did. So now we're on the worst movie bruce willis's worst movie and and granted we've talked about having seen a quarter of his filmography and i'm not going to choose anything that's been recent it's kind of like that's punching down a little bit i think the last 10 years it was a lot of just you know him doing these roles so he i'm I'm honestly right making money for his family basically and so i'm going with something that's uh you know relatively big that I've seen that I was very disappointed in, and that's A Good Day to Die Hard. Oh. And for those of you that don't know what that is, it's the fifth and final Die Hard movie because <laughs> it always kind of gets in the mix with the fourth one. It is. The titles get yeah. a little confusing, but yeah, that that's... So the synopsis is, John McClane travels to Russia to help out his seemingly wayward son, Jack, only to discover that Jack is a CIA operative working undercover, causing the father and son to team up against underworld forces. I mean, that's basically the same plot as the first movie. <laughs> This is John McClane putting on the uh, Superman S because he's bulletproof in this movie. Well, and it hurts the character and plot so bad. You, I think this is one you were referring to earlier when they forgot who John McClane yes. is. But I do think that started in the previous movie. Uh, mm-hmm. You're live, right. Live free or die but, hard. But that movie is so well paced that it still but worked. What I mean is like you, you get the first three, which shows that kind of trilogy of yeah. uh, trying to save his marriage, happy in his marriage, and then broken after his marriage. 
But then you know, even before, it feels more like an episode of 24 than it does uh, right. a Die Hard movie. Joel, you're going to love this. The tagline for this movie was Yippee-ki-yay, Mother Russia. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's great, right? Yeah. I mean, the movie should have been good. But there's a car chase in this movie at the beginning. It's not really a car chase. He's like in this, like, he's driving over traffic. Yeah. In this kind of tank <laughs> sort of thing. And he's killing countless civilians. I'm like, that's <laughs> not John they, McClane. They jump out. They, they, you know, like, uh, oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, at the end, it takes place in Chernobyl and he and his son would have been poisoned. They fall in a pool of toxic Not another waste. puddle. <laughs> oh, no. But they're totally fine. None of this movie is memorable. Also, the villains of the Die Hard series are relatively either great to good, and no one even knows who the villain of this movie is. It just, this movie doesn't matter. It really did kill the franchise. They were thinking about kind of rebooting with a young John McClane, but Bruce Willis is like, nah, I don't think it's a great idea. Like, it's not not really going to work. And so I'm glad they ended it here. I wish it ended with the fourth, though, because I think this is his worst big budget movie. Okay. Joel? Hudson Hawk. <laughs> How did you not pick Hudson Hawk? Because I saw it again. I laughed a lot. Ken, I've often said the worst movies in the world are comedies, and this proves my point inevitably. Every time this movie tries to be funny, it just falls flat on its face, and uh-huh. then there's a cartoon noise when it falls <laughs> flat on its face, like a boing, yeah. something like that. I was expecting a terrible movie based on everything I heard about it, sure. and I was still disappointed in this movie. Ken. Come on, though. It, bad acting. Weird You wouldn't story. watch this on a bad movie night? Over-the-top goofiness. It it just doesn't work, man. <laughs> this is a terrible, terrible movie. I had so much fun with it. Oh, I hated Hudson Hawk. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about it anymore. That's all. I don't want to talk about it. Remember when they're shooting those those uh, projectile bombs? Stop. And they have suction cups and they want to get stuck to the bad guy's forehead? Stop. And he can't take it off? <laughs> it's so good. I hate this movie. I hate... one. I, I gave it 1.5 stars. Oh, totally. But it's underrated. No, that's... <laughs> That was generous. <laughs> Look who's talking to. Okay. Okay. So from the heights, from the heights of Look Who's Talking, we've dropped. Th- no, I think it's they forgot who Mikey was. That's what I think it is. It's those cash yeah, ins. Well, honestly, because at the point, like the kid should be talking, right? So it's, it feels really weird when his yeah. mouth opens, like, and then he, it, nah. and then Roseanne. I just, I don't really have much to say, yeah. honestly, but just mm, who, like. So I even as a kid, you out. were like, no, this doesn't work for me. <laughs> you, you were a critic as a <laughs> no, kid. We I, know I it. I was, actually. I yeah. was. I don't know if I ever told you that, but yes. Um, no. I'm looking <laughs> at the box office now just to see if it, how it did. Well, enough okay. to make a third if one about well, dogs. Uh, only made, the first one, like I said, I mean, it was $300 million. This yeah. one only made $120 million, So oh. Roseanne there. I don't know who thought they would have good like vocal chemistry together, right. but it's terrible. Like it, it, And then it's like... And then we get them like talking about potty training and and uh, confession body parts between. This is still trapped in my childhood brain of I still like it. Okay. So yeah. I don't, don't want to watch it again because I'm afraid it's going to ruin. Would it. you have your kids watch it? Uh, <laughs> that's a question. <laughs> okay. It is a question. <laughs> like you said, that opening scene of the first movie when it's like right. showing conception. They do it in this one too. And do then, they? Yeah. And then once it gets there, Roseanne's like, "Now I'm bored." Oh. <laughs> Oh, oh, gross. I guess I'm here now. <laughs> That's a great soundbite. <laughs> anyway. my, my Alan Rickman and your Roseanne should be in a movie together. Wait, have a conversation. Is Roseanne and Alan Rickman. All I want to do is just talk, bring up the next category. Roseanne. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Your what turn. is it, Alan? <laughs> wow. It's a new sitcom. Oh, rest in peace, Alan uh. Rickman. 
What you bring it down the room with that? <laughs> of course, I. <laughs> right at the end there. <laughs> so sad. So sad. So sad. All right, in our final category, we have to go here. We've mentioned the series a lot. The best Die Hard sequel, because there are four of them, and the names are confusing. And here's the thing. That second movie, and I don't know if you guys are going to talk about this. In fact, I'm just going to let you talk about it. Well, Joel, I was going to go through the five. So we have five options Because I want to talk about the title differences. Four options. Yes. Four okay. options here. So we have Die Hard, of course, the first one. We've already talked about how wonderful that is. We have Die Hard 2, <laughs> sometimes known as Die Harder. Yes. Which brought in the ER to yeah. the end of titles, Die which is harder. great. Then you have the, the third movie, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yeah. The fourth movie, Live Free or Die Hard. And then the fifth movie, A Good Day to Die Hard. Right. You guys want to guess, by the way, uh, first of all, what was the most expensive one to make? The fourth one. You say the fourth the one? Yeah. One. It is the fourth one. Live Free or Die Hard, 110 million. Wow. Whoa. Now the biggest box office earner. You guys want to guess on that one? The first one. The third one. Once again, it's the fourth one. Live oh. Free or Die Hard. Okay. That is the most expensive and the most profitable. Well, I don't know if the most profitable, but made the most money. Hmm. But so we have those movies. I am going to go first. And I have to say, this was not, I thought it was going to be a very easy decision. And I actually watched. The Die Hard movies, just to kind of all remember them? them, almost all of them. I knew, I knew, obviously the even first number one. five. I didn't get to number five. Charity, good, knew. Good. not a good one. Yeah, that's a bad one. But I ended up going with the third movie, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Now I chose this one. I, I, like I said, I debated back and forth because the second one, you get that mimicry of the original movie, yeah, and all the cast is back, and it's this kind of fun continuation although i feel more serious continuation of the story i'm jumping in i chose that as well you chose die hard yes, with vengeance? Die hard vengeance okay third one i and, feel like oh she's not she didn't i know so emily uh. we'll get to you but i feel like the, the third one like uh, we talk about what trilogies established this isn't the first trilogy to do this but it really did bring it back to the original movie and made it a very strong i think villain hero case yes although i will say jeremy irons a little i mean definitely not alan rickman I feel like his performance was a little over the top for me. Yes. As as the villain in, in Die Hard with a Vengeance. Well, but there was a vendetta here, right? There, there should have been vendetta. It was just the way he acted it sure. I felt was a little much. So, Joel, gives us a synopsis. You betcha. John McClane and a Harlem store owner are targeted by German terrorist Simon in New York City, where he plans to rob the, Feder- the Federal Reserve Building. I feel like so, giving away too much. I know, right? So this is the brother. I'm just going to put it out there. It's the brother of Hans Gruber. That's a big spoiler. Yeah. I mean, for a movie that came out in 1994. 95. Okay. In fact, Kent, this was the highest grossing film of 1995. Really? You want to hear what it beat out? Toy Story, Apollo 13, GoldenEye, Pocahontas, Seven, Batman Forever, Casper, Waterworld, and Jumanji. Die Hard with a Vengeance beat all those. Wow. And mostly because of outside the U.S. It it was a pretty good hit Mm -hmm. here in the U.S., but it was the worldwide market that really pushed it over the top. Wow. Because generally these movies are, he's in the wrong place at the wrong time. In this movie, it was made more personal. Yes. And there, there's some really high stakes here. And it was, and most of, most of Die Hard movies are actually other movies that got adapted into the Die yeah, Hard. Right. This one included, this was a, a screenplay called Simon Says that then became Die Hard with a Vengeance. Right. And, and John McTiernan is back on the series. Yes. He wasn't there for Die Harder. But the reason why I, I the reason why I think this one went over the top for me because, like I said, I like number two. I actually do enjoy it. It's it's a very it's like a Home Alone two thing where it's yeah. almost the same movie. But then this one has Samuel L. Jackson, and right. the chemistry between the two of them is just fun to it watch really unfold. Is. This is the most profane of all the Die Hard movies. I think I, they they counted a hundred f words in it. Wow, uh, very heavily edited on the TV version I have. But it really is fun. And I felt like after, at least to me, 
I thought the second one kind of became more serious, and then this one brought back the original tone of yep, like I agree. humor and action in the same place. Also, fun fact: Lawrence Fishburne was supposed to be the the Harlem uh, shop store owner. Oh wow! Uh, Careful, but he turned it down. Yeah, and also. Fishburne had earlier turned down the role of Jules in Pulp Fiction, which what? also had Samuel Jackson. His agent kept telling him, don't take these side roles because you won't ever be a leading character. Wow. And just look. And that's for how Sam- Samuel Jackson built his career. Look where Samuel Jackson is now. Look, and Lawrence Fishburne, he's got a career. He's doing fine. Yeah. But turning down these roles. Was, sake. Yeah, yeah. But turning down these roles, I was like, what the heck? Yeah. Two of them? So, yeah. And uh, they originally wanted the die, their Die Hard to take place on a cruise ship. <laughs> That was Speed what they're to cruise control, anybody. <laughs> That's they're going for. Yeah. But then they rewrote it and became this movie. And it is, it's fun. It's, it is. It, it's, it's different than Die Hard because it's not one man trying to save a group of people in an, yeah. like a certain area. It's him going and around And it's city town. crossing, you know. Yeah. Yes. He has to go accomplish all these tasks to stop bombs from going off. The thing I remember most about this movie, I'm talking way too much, Ken. I'm sorry. Go for it. I'm very, I, I just watched it today and I was, You're was passionate. Excited. Yes. Because of the beginning, uh, and this kind of spoils a little bit of it. But it's just starting off and the movie's kind of kicking off with some music and you're getting a vibe of the movie and then boom, a bomb goes off like mid song. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time I saw it being completely shocked and being like, wait, what? Yeah. And it pulled me in. I'll let you talk now. Oh, no, I'm good. I totally agree. 100% agreement. <laughs> oh, yeah. even about Hudson Hawk? No. Oh. <laughs> Emily, okay, tell friends. us the best Die Hard oh, sequel. Oh, okay, friends. <laughs> <laughs> okay, friends sounds like a no, bad disclaimer no, 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 real no. quick. It's just, look, I've had to cram a lot of Bruce Willis movies <laughs> in into the last couple of days. Hey, thanks for being on the show, by the yeah, way. Yeah, thanks yeah, for helping yeah, out. Thank you. You're welcome, you're welcome. Thanks for filling in for Zach. Yeah. So I watched uh, Die Hard 2 years ago. Yeah. I actually had never gotten around to 3. No. So just barely. I'm like, oh, this is a category. What do I do? What do I do? I don't know. I don't know. Like, cause I, I did see four and five in theaters yeah. and I knew that those weren't going to be in contention. So four I is in contention. Yeah, it's, it's fun. It's fun. Justin Long is like great. It. It's it. Yeah, like he, he the is, action yeah. is dumb, but yeah, it's it, a good well, movie. Exactly. And it, and it loses the it's character. Very blue. So that's why yeah. I knew I didn't want to And I don't mean it. blue is in comedy. I mean, the filter is Color. blue. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I watched two and I was like, and my plan was today during my daughter's nap that I was like, okay, I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch them at half speed and I'm going to watch both. But the second Wait, one half speed or sorry, double speed. <laughs> <laughs> then he becomes the strong silent type. It's yeah. late, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yippee. Don't Yay. listen to us. Half speed. Uh, anyway, I was going to listen to it double speed. And I was like, I'm going to watch two movies during your nap somehow. So, yeah, so you happen. decided during your daughter's nap to watch some of the loudest action movies ever. Uh, headphones. Ah. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. But then the second one drew me in and sure, I it's didn't good. watch no, it. No, it's, it's totally good. Double speed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I. People put it down because it's not die hard, but it's still good. Yeah. I was trying so hard to get them all done that I was listening to Die Hard 3 on the way here. <laughs> <laughs> so you just heard a lot of and, uh, bad and words. Like listening. I said, yeah. Like I said, as I was driving, it's not. I would not recommend driving with Die Hard 3 on because there was a big car chase as I was getting to Kent's house that was really <laughs> freaking me out driving because it was like... Horns and sirens and... Yeah, I was like... And I was like... It's okay. So that's how you got here so fast. Okay. So I was like, everything's fine, right? But so... I cannot actually, I know it's probably the best one, 
because it's rated the highest on IMDb. And I, I don't know. Oh, it's it. pulling that I out. Okay. I actually was looking between. I'm like, what well, one do I? But I was like, I just need the context. I need to see two. I'm mm-hmm. not going to skip it. I'm going to watch it. So I didn't get two. So then I was like, you know what? I'm going to make a case for two being the Home Alone movie. But then Joel stole that ah. too. <laughs> because it really is with the returning characters, just with a different setting. Yeah. So basically, I'm doing two by default. But I, when I, as I was watching the first half hour of three, I recognized how I liked this chemistry between mm-hmm. Samuel right. L. Jackson. And I do, and yes, this one, I, yeah, it's my fault. I'd recommend finishing it. Yeah, um, I will, I will. But Die Hard 2 is the one at the airport. That's yes. A, that's where you distinguish it. So Die Hard 1's in a building, Die Hard 2's in an airport, Die, Die Hard 3 is bombs racing across town, mm-hmm. but, Die Hard 4 is is a uh, worldwide technological terrorism with uh, Timothy Oliphant. And yeah. And but then, you did spoil it for me because I didn't know he was Hans Gruber's brother. And now uh, I can't! <laughs> I am sorry. <laughs> I mean, they really Danny Aiello survives the <laughs> end of Hudson Hawk. Stop. They kind of, they do that. I was going to say, you're very close to the part where they talk about it. It's like okay, in the middle yeah, where they okay, talk okay. about it. I'm so sorry. No, it's, okay. it's a cool reveal. You know, oh. It's totally fine. But I was going to say, too, um, that I, I liked, I can't remember his name. The guy who was the villain in the second one who plays death in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Yes, yes. Uh, like, he's an okay... Like what I is thought, his name? Anyway, um, I thought he was an okay villain, so it definitely seemed like to me that mm-hmm. Jeremy Irons was a step up from coming from that. Um, and then having Samuel L. Jackson, too, felt like it had, it livened things up, yeah. too. But so right. I didn't finish it. So by default, I'm going with two. The only thing I remembered before about it was that there were snowmobiles, and then a, a, but that plane ending was pretty good. Yeah. You know, that was pretty fun. William cool. Sadler. That's it. Sadler. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I remember it was death from Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey or the sheriff on uh, Roswell. Yeah. So. Roswell, huh? The My wife likes that show. That's cute. <laughs> so right. that's Good choice. Doing. Nothing I, wrong with I, that. I, I plan to watch it. I just had limited time. I had to watch a lot of other Even stuff, if we said four. We kind of you into tonight, so it's okay. <laughs> Even Live for Your Die Hard would be a good choice, I think, because oh, most okay, people well, have seen that? it. Oh, yeah. most <laughs> because lists, it's recent. Most lists I saw yeah. either said uh, for the best sequel was either number three or number four. Right. Like yeah, I, I did feel like two needed to be, it needed some, some freshening because it did feel a little repeaty, yeah. you know? That does have one of my favorite edits, uh, by the way. Yes. I, I, the, the, the TV edit is kind of terrible. And one of the things he says is uh, at one point, uh, yippee-ki, Mr. Falcon. Oh, which wow. Yeah, I guess kind of makes sense because <laughs> yeah. there's someone called Falcon or the plane's called Falcon. I can't remember anymore. But I just remember being like there's so many bad, bad overdubs in that. But All right. There we go. Yeah. These are Bruce Willis movies. Yeah. So thank you. Let, let us know if we didn't mention the ones that you like. There's, I mean, like we said, there's 144 mm-hmm. film IMDb credits, and apparently we can use TV as well. Uh, <laughs> I was going to mention his friends' appearance. He's great in friends. Oh, really good yeah, friends, great in but, friends. Yeah. And also, I think he's mad about you. Is he in that one too? Yeah. I can't remember. But yeah, I, I'm yeah, not seven, so I don't watch it. So ah. But let us know on Facebook, let us know on Instagram, let us know on Twitter. We want to hear about you. You know, the ones that you like, the ones that you don't like, Bruce Willis movies in general. Before we go, we'd like to thank our patrons. So from the I and the Listener category, we have Lady Terry A. Finley, Shannon West, Chris Strout, Sean Sanquist, Jennifer Kildkowski, Braden Winterton, Alicia Bass, Glow Clan Daniel, Sir and Madam Hicks, Adam and Rachel Crump, Allison Gall, Rocky and Steph, Scott Sprague, Jake the Cooler King Swallow, Andrew in the Dark, Casey Cummings, John English the Brick, Ryan and Marley, Debbie Foster, and Fat Max. And from our Bacon Council, we have Nicole sitting in the Sinbin Hale, the one, the only, Chris Anderson, Stephen Ross, Her Royal Highness Jessica Terry, our favorite couple, the Madsons, Bacon Council member Kyler, and Beaker. Thank you so much, patrons. Yeah, thank you, patrons. We <laughs> hey, appreciate you. You did that very good, Kent. But if you want to find me, you can find me at 76Joel on Twitter, or you can find me performing with QuickWits. They perform at the Midvale Performing Arts Center. For more details, go to qwcomedy.com or go to the QuickWits Facebook page. 
And Emily, do you uh, want to share your social media tags <laughs> at all where they can find you in your movie reviews? Yes. Do I want to share? No, just kidding. Yeah, you might as well. <laughs> Have them harass me about my last Jedi reviews? Just kidding. Um, <laughs> that was years <laughs> ago. <laughs> that was years ago. I still don't cry no, myself to sleep thinking about it. I made a last Jedi crack in this show. But yeah. Yes, yeah. And, um, at Emily Mackey, 1138, you can figure out how to spell it. Just you know, follow one of them, search for it. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> um, and then you can go to my site, moviesandmayhem.net. Yeah. Blogging, you know, trying, she's got to, get, some good, trying uh, to be Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, she's got good, good thoughts there on Sundance and other movies. Uh, she's got some fun reviews, so Thanks. go check her out. If you want to find me on Twitter or Instagram, it's at Kenny3DD. If you want to read my movie reviews at ShowtimeShowdown.com. And if you want to support Bacon Cell, I know, I'm trying the Zach part. Yeah. I don't even remember what he says, but you can support us by getting a t-shirt. A pillowcase, a maybe mug. even a mug. <laughs> I love how Zach does it. Do and too. it's almost kind of a surprise. He does it so well. But you can support us. That's tpublic.com slash bacon cell. Yep, and if you want to support us uh, through Patreon, there you can find behind the scenes episodes or uh, we put pictures up there sometimes or sometimes conversations or just video reviews. Aw. I know, right? I miss Zach. I know. <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, wow. Uh, but you can support us at patreon.com slash bacon cell. So until next time. Yippee-ki-yay, listeners. Ah! Are you mad? A <laughs> little bit? Was she actually blind or was she just crazy? Yeah, I spilled soda all over my pants. <laughs> hi, yeah. hi. Hi. You're wrong. Hi. You're wrong. I think, I think the hair has something to do with the quippiness. Uh, this is Die Hard in a Die Hard. This is one of the best Christmas movies out there. Yeah. Okay, good. I can't wait. Oh, no. I'm looking at Joel's face right now. I have to say a puddle. Glass left me feeling half empty. Well, she plays a nun who falls in love with Bruce Willis. Howdy, North. You're the girl that fell over. That was you, Emily? <laughs> that was me. It whelms people. It whelms well, people. Am yeah. I an old soul? <laughs> family friendly. Well, you can't say that. I mean, that sounds worse. <laughs> it's the bald Bruce Willis era. A case of my steak. Oh my gosh, my steakin. My steakin. My steakin. Whose steak is it? My steakin. <laughs> But I'm not if giving any spoilers. Oh, really? I'm not giving any spoilers I for this I spoiled movie. Hudson Hawk for you. <laughs> what does this mean? It's biology, kids. <laughs> Damn it, Dad's my father. Yippee-ki-yay, Mother Russia. And they fall in a pool of toxic Not another waste. puddle. I guess I'm here now. Oh, uh, Kent! <laughs> I Kent! am sorry. <laughs> Rolls and... What is it, Alan? <laughs> <laughs>